Howdy, everybody. This is Taylor, the producer of Ministry Leaders Anonymous. I just wanted to give you a note about today's episode. This was recorded about a month ago before COVID-19 really swept through the world, before the quarantine. Uh, This is right before it started, and uh, the guys wanted to record a few episodes in response to that before this episode release, but uh, I think the time is now to release this episode. I hope that this gives you a laugh and a topic that isn't directly related to the virus. We'll have another episode next week in response to the virus, specifically the financial ramifications that it's going to have or already is having. Uh, But for this week, we hope you enjoy this episode with Matt and Chris. Welcome to Ministry Leaders Anonymous. My name is Chris Bartlett. And I'm Matt Rice, and we hope to provide a moment of sanity during a busy week of ministry. We've both worked in ministry for a long time and have seen just about everything. And as damaged as we are and as nasally as Chris's voice is, we are ready to dive into and bring light to the hurts, hopes, and hungers that every ministry leader has. It's so scary this season to have a cough or allergies or anything. We were in Mass last Sunday, and uh, the, uh, the priest announced some recommendations that the bishop had put out in regards to, you know, please uh, be considerate and receive communion in the hand. Don't hold hands during the our father. Um, don't spit on people during the sign of peace. You know, <laughs> things like that. And right after that happened, my mother-in-law had a cough attack. Mm. So like the, the, the priest just announced, hey, we're worried about the, the cold and flu season. Please be considerate. And after he finished his spiel, my mother-in-law coughed for the next five minutes during the liturgy. <laughs> After a communion, the people that were sitting around had Moved. scooted away. Had scooted away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, so listeners, please know that you are not going to get what I have. And what I have is actually allergies, not anything. Um, not coronavirus. And nothing super scary. Yeah, yeah. So, um, anyways, well, good. Well, Matt, uh, it's been actually a couple of weeks since we've recorded. Yeah. Um, and one of the reasons why we didn't record, we normally record listeners on uh, on Friday mornings. Uh, and a couple of weeks ago, I was out. And the reason why I was out was because I was at a uh, Beyond Diversity training uh, from Courageous Conversations. And so basically, it was a two-day workshop talking about um, what is race and how do we how do we look at inclusion and what does it even mean to have dialogue about this. What, what drew you to that class? Was that something that like your parish expected you to go to or what, what drew you to it? That's a great question. So we have been wrestling for a long time now with the fact that it sometimes feels like there's two different parishes in our parish. Mm, yeah. The en- English sure language of faith. this is not faith. uncommon across no, the nation. No, not at all. Yeah. yeah, yeah. English yeah. language of faith and Spanish language of faith. Yep. And, uh, and that uh, acknowledging that we have some blind spots especially me as maybe a white male who's like a product of the dominant culture. You might be a white male? No. <laughs> I might have some blind spots, some pretty pretty glaring. As a spots. white male, you as might have male. some <laughs> Okay, good. good. Just to make sure, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Keep going. <laughs> this might be news to some of the listeners, especially with my voice, like you're not a robot. Um, but but nevertheless, uh, so so we had a couple of people that attended this. Um, and they came back and they were just like, this is amazing. Mm. And so we jumped on and, uh, and it was amazing. When you say we jumped on, like you jumped on as a whole parish staff community or like what, what was it? 
It's the leadership team. Okay. So the whole uh, Patrick Lencioni, Amazing Parish piece, we've embraced that model mm. and uh, it borne a lot of fruit. So I'm on the leadership team with about five other uh, key staff members, including the pastor. And uh, and we we went, in fact, it was me and the two priests that went at this round. And uh, yep, anyways, it was outstanding. It was entertaining. It was uh, intellectually engaging. They set it up to where you could talk deeply. That's great. With strangers, people I have never met before. Yeah. In a very effective, non-threatening way. And uh, and I wanted to unpack one of the ways that they did that. Okay. And yeah. They, Let's do they it. call it the, the four agreements. And so the four agreements that they had us go through uh, is stay engaged, number one. Number two, experience discomfort. Number three, speak your truth. And number four, expect or accept non-closure. Nice. And so were these agreements that were made for people there at that moment, or is this something that you guys were supposed to expect and, I guess, take from there? Or was it just for that group that day? So in our discussions today, we want to have these agreements that we are going to stay engaged, that we're going to be that we're going to experience discomfort. In other words, we're going to take the conversation into an uncomfortable area. We're going to speak our truth. And the, the neat thing about speak your truth, because I hate postmodern relativism, you know? And so when they, they're like, you, you do you, or um, those type of things, what's right for you is right for you, what's right for me. They said, speaking your truth is not the same as speaking the truth, yeah. but rather speaking your truth. Yeah, and, and, you, and uh, you can't try to speak someone else's truth either. Um, so this is how they were setting up the day to be successful, to talk about a subject that that is and can be divisive and really hard to talk about openly and freely. Um, that's great. That's uh, I love it. Okay, thank you. We were doing son- so good of like keeping, uh, staying on topic with your son in the background. <laughs> we did that for a really long time. I that really hope that Taylor shares this video. Yeah, you so guys, just me. so y'all know, Chris uh, records at his home with his kiddos around, and one of his kiddos, what, what's his name? Is that Benedict? Joseph? Joseph, sorry. Joseph. Um, Joseph showed up behind him, and we were we were like keeping it going for a really long time without even acknowledging that he was there. <laughs> so, pardon me for a moment. <laughs> So guys, Chris just muted himself. And Chris, I really need to know, like, did you turn on your dad voice at that moment? I uh, only have a dad voice. <laughs> no, like dad voice is scary. Dad voice is one of those things that makes other people, like even grownups go, eesh. <laughs> no, I didn't use my dad voice. I thanked him. He brought me some, um, We did. I did an escape room for my daughter uh, last night. She had awesome. a little birthday party. Yeah. And uh, he brought me some of the leftover pieces that they found on the floor. So fun. He, cool. He, he was being sweet, but uh, it's like, I did say, you need to leave now. Daddy's recording and don't come back. <laughs> All right. Back to what we were talking about. Um, so they so set these, up the day. Yeah. They, they set, set up, up the, the day. day. Great. But, the, the, but Matt, I, I, I want to say that they didn't lead with this, right? This is um, page six of, uh, of the workbook. And we went through other things to where we, we learned our story and we kind of learned where our truth was coming from. And, uh, and these, these four agreements, I think, are absolutely amazing um, for ministry as well. And, and so I want to go through each one and kind of tell, uh, tell you what I think and hear what you think in regards to how does this apply to ministry, right? Great. Yeah. Um, the first one is of the four agreements is stay engaged. Yep. Now, I see this in a variety of ways, especially around this time of the year. We're right now, for most of us, right around spring break time. And, uh, 
and and this happens in the fall as well, where you get to like this, you know, sixth session or seventh session of a semester and you're just starting to feel like it's a grind. Mm-hmm. Another youth night, another planning. You, you've kind of become a little bit disengaged and maybe hit autopilot. Yep. Um, stay engaged. Yeah. Stay because at the, the beginning emotions. of the semester for me, it's always exciting and invigorating. Oh, the kickoff and this and that and the other. But at this point in the semester, you're like, okay, just three more weeks till spring break mm-hmm. or two more sessions till Thanksgiving break. Yep. Stay stay engaged. Well, and it, and it can happen over your 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 career in ministry. Like the first year you're engaged, the second year you're engaged, the third, maybe fourth year when you might be repeating content, you know, because at some point you do start to loop through content so that the the next, you know, and, and RCIA loops through it every year, right? They're teaching the same content every year. Right. Um, and if you're staying uh, like as a, as a religious ed teacher, if you're staying in the same classroom every year, you're teaching the same thing every year. Right. And so you, you do get into, uh, well, I taught this last year, you might get into a, a rut. And I think definitely that stay engaged fits, you know, even like that day, <laughs> like that session, it, it, it works for that semester, that year. It also works for your career. Like after two or three years, you're like, well, this is the same thing. How do I stay engaged? You know, and you need to stay engaged. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, so how do you recommend staying engaged? I think we've like, we've talked about some of this stuff before. Like each one of these individually, I think has been a podcast in the past. Um, but it's a new group of it's a new group of people every single time. Like for me, that's the thing. It's like, okay, I have heard this before. I I know this stuff and I teach this stuff. This person in front of me has not. And, and I need to make sure that I'm presenting whatever I'm presenting to them in a way that is new and exciting and engaging to them because it is new to them. Exactly. And that's the beauty of accompaniment, right? Yeah. And they talked about this in regards to stay engaged in the conversation, enter into their story. Yep. Right? Because sometimes our stories are boring, so we think every story is boring. But these uh, these people coming through our programs or these people out at this uh, Courageous Conversations training, like they all had fascinating stories. Entering into their story is the best way to stay engaged. Yep. So um, we always have something to learn, even if we're the teacher. And that's the the hearts of the people that stand before us. Amen. Yeah. The next one was experience discomfort. And I think that this is one in ministry that we sometimes think that we experience a lot. Um, but I think that we need to expect it going in. Yep. Like sometimes we're disappointed. Oh, I had a really hard conversation. And well, one of the components of youth ministry it talks about in Renewing the Vision is the ministry of advocacy. Mm-hmm. I think that that one says, hey, you got to be uncomfortable sometimes for yeah. the love of these youth, right? Yeah, and there's different ways to be, there's different ways to experience discomfort. You know, one is, are you teaching something that's hard? Like, are you avoiding the hard teachings? Because if you just teach, I don't know, the stuff that's easy for people to accept, like love your neighbor, like now people on the surface, they, they, that seems real easy, you know, but if you're, if you're diving into church teaching, you know, on abortion or contraception, stuff like that, that, that may be controversial, are you avoiding that? Because you're, you're not uh, being uncomfortable, right? So that's one thing. The other one is, like, are you being open to welcome those hard conversations? Like you said, like, it's uncomfortable when people share with us their wounds, their hurts, like what they're really going through. That's uncomfortable, you know, but that's what we're, we're called to, to enter into to accompany them through. And then there was another one that I was thinking with regards to discomfort, and it's our own vulnerability. 
Ooh. like sharing our own, like sharing real, like really from us, like from our hearts. Um, and sometimes that is is hard and, and it's uncomfortable. It's And so you need to enter into that because, it, again, if you're not sharing your own discomfort with them, they're not going to share theirs with you and, and the relationship's not going to be real. Well, and, and these these agreements force, in order for someone to honor this agreement, experiencing discomfort, it forces them to enter in to dialogue that they wouldn't normally enter into, right? Mm-hmm. And I think about that when uh, some people have pastors that they need to gain more clarity on the vision, like, I don't understand the vision, or have you considered this when you're, when you're uh, putting this mandate out or putting this information out? Have you considered how this could be received or its implication on the ministry group that I serve? And that's an uncomfortable conversation, right? Because you're, you're saying, hey, do I have a blind spot or could it be you, Father? You know, <laughs> yeah. bum, bum, bum. <laughs> and so we have to be willing to experience some discomfort there. And I, and I, I want to echo what you said in regards to our own discomfort. I think that we have to have measured vulnerability, though, right? Yeah, of um, course. But we have to be willing to look... For example, and this is going to be kind of vulnerable on my end, but but um, in in the, in the area that I'm at, they're like, oh, this is the best youth program in our area. Mm. And someone asked me the other day, they're like, well, how many teens do you keep after confirmation? And I said about half, mm-hmm. which is statistically phenomenal. Yeah, which and is sad. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. So they're yeah. like, yeah, so this is, this is the best. This is the best program because they keep half. They lose. Imagine being a client and I'm like, I lose half my clients after this one specific point. Yeah. And they're like, Oh, you're the best. It's like, no, <laughs> yeah. look how far we have to go. And so yeah. even in, even in, a, in, in the Catholic church, sometimes retaining just 50% is celebrated, mm-hmm. but you have to be able to say, actually, that is not good enough. Mm-hmm. Like it, it is, it is a sad commentary on the state of youth ministry when that is what gets celebrated. We've yeah. got so much farther to go. And the question is how, and that how is really uncomfortable because I realize them coming to the youth program as, as, as seniors in high school might not be as effective as if they're volunteering with another organization in the parish. And that's how youth ministry has taken place for them is through the choir director or through the leadership program we have with our altar servers or through the other service uh, organizations we have, right? Yeah, and so, so some of this discomfort may be like realistically evaluating your program. Like what you just said, like I retain half of the kids for one year and then maybe a quarter for the next year. You know, I don't know what it looks like, like you said, after, you know, two or three years. RCIA may need to do the same thing, religious ed, same thing. Um, you know, I don't know. That, that, like, realistically looking at that is uncomfortable. Yeah, or, or to even ask yourself, if we removed sacraments from our programming, how many people would still come to our programming? Is our programming good enough to go ahead without the draw of sacraments to draw people in? And that's that's an uncomfortable conversation, not just to have with yourself, but with your team, mm-hmm. right? Because sometimes I think the team gets comfortable of like, well, this is how we've always done things. Let's continue to do things. And you're like, yeah, but these are the results we've always been getting. Are we happy with these results? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and and some would say yes, and then why? And some would say no, and then why? And having that dialogue, ooh, it's a squirmy, squirmy conversation. Mm-hmm. But ministry evaluation, I think, needs to be a little bit squirmy. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. The next one was to speak your truth. Again, with moral relativism, it drove me nuts. But when the, the presenter said, know that your truth usually isn't the truth. 
And he made that distinction. Yes. So this is how it is versus this is how I understand things to be. Yeah. And it's that second one where I'm speaking my truth. Well, and it's it interesting, was, you know, yeah. that like then it when, when it comes to, you know, potential conflict or, or cultural diversity, that whole like that relativism thing doesn't I mean it, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't work. Like they like you do you doesn't work. <laughs> you know? Like they're like, no. But then there's also that that tension of like your truth versus my truth. Well, what is the truth? Yeah, that's interesting. Right. So one of my truths that I had to speak is that there was a moment when I was growing up that I had a uh, kind of a unique experience with one of my relatives that left me feeling like black people, you should be afraid of black people. Mm. Right. And so that that experience and some of the commentary that I received from one of my relatives led me to believe that. Now, should you be afraid of black people? No, absolutely not. But that was my truth when I was younger because of an experience that I had with one of my relatives. It didn't yeah. involve any any person of color. It involved just my relatives, you know. And uh, and so for me to be able to speak that and say that 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 influenced how I how I behaved in middle school and some of the jokes and comments I would tell at, 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 at you know at the lunch break and recess. It makes me sound so young to be like when I was at recess, you know. <laughs> um, but but that that's the reality. That was my truth in regards to it shaped my worldview. So so how does this translate to ministry? And I think that there are a, a lot of different ways that this this translates. But one that that came to mind was spirituality. You know, so so what is what your spirituality is doesn't necessarily mean that is going to be the spirituality of all those that you serve. So during praise and worship, everyone shouldn't lift their hands. <laughs> no. <laughs> so and, that, and praise and worship may not be their thing either. Right. You know, like and so uh, like as a youth minister, when you have youth that aren't doing that, that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with them. You know, and, you know, as a youth minister, if you have a, a night that's spent on contemplative prayer, when you have youth that are squirming and can't do it, there's nothing wrong with them. Right. You know, and, and the, that goes for like anybody in ministry because it feeds you because that is your truth or whatever, your way of reaching God. Um, it doesn't mean it's everybody's way of reaching God. I also love the fact that it's, it, it's an action, right? Speak your truth. Mm. not hold your things to be true or seek to understand your truth. It says speak your truth. Yeah. And I think in ministry, sometimes we see things for the people that we serve and we hold our tongue because we don't want to experience discomfort, right? And so I've been, I've been in meetings where I've said, wait, we need to consider the youth in regards to this. We're only asking them to volunteer, and this was years ago, but only asking them to volunteer for our, uh, our church festival to take out the trash, Mm-hmm. Like and to clean the tables, you want us to serve waters at the uh, in the hall and take out the trash. And that's how we understand our youth to be. Wow! And and they're like, we just wanted to give them an opportunity to serve. We didn't think that they would want to actually. So their truth was that youth don't want to be there anyway. So let's give them something easy to do. Mm-hmm. Whereas I was like, you're telling them that they're trash. You know? Yeah, they're not worth anything more than this. And 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 both of us were speaking our truth. One was trying to create an on ramp. And the other person was trying to share a perspective of like, oh, that is not ideal service, you know? Yeah, yeah. 
and I'm not saying that youth shouldn't take out the trash. I'm also, uh, but I'm saying they should also help with the face painting booth or the cakewalk as well, you know. Mm-hmm. And if your parish doesn't have a cakewalk at your uh, spring festival, <laughs> I am not going. <laughs> Must have cake. It's so good. Um, what? Uh, so what, how else would this connect? And the speak your truth piece? Yeah. Well, I think that it helps you frame things when you're sharing to say, like, it, in my understanding, in my experience, I'm a type A driven personality, Matt. And so sometimes when I share things, like, they're not ideas, they're not suggestions. This, this is, how is it law. Is. It is written. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And speaking speaking your truth, that, that uh, agreement means that I need to frame it in a way that they know that this is Chris Bartlett, not the Pope himself, sharing this information. Mm-hmm. So the, the, for those of us who have ever found themselves being a steamroller or something like that in meetings, conversations, or dialogue, um, it helps you to soften it because it puts the your, right? Mm-hmm. The your into the conversation. This is my experience. In my experience, this has been, um, from where I'm sitting, this is how I see it. Do you see how that makes the dialogue a little bit more accessible to everyone at the table? Absolutely. I'm just trying to think of a scenario where that would be. It's not like you would be having this, I mean, at like in, in a teaching in a large group setting. This would be more of a, a smaller group, a little bit more intimate, a little bit more serious. Or Well, I'm thinking in staff meeting. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking in leadership role when you're empowering your team. Do you see? So like, for yeah. example, let's take, I, I was just on a retreat this past weekend and there were, there were a couple of teens that uh, were a little bit uh, challenged to remain open. Let, maybe that's not the right way to say it, but they were, they were just kind of a little bit more on the fringe. Mm-hmm. And so I challenged them to a game of basketball. Now, Matt, you know, you know, I'm getting old and, uh, <laughs> but I'm also tall. Right. And so yeah. they said, we'll totally take you down. And we trash talked the whole time. Mm-hmm. If I went ahead and said, this is how you should engage teens that are on the fringe. I mean, could you imagine some of my, uh, you know, other core team <laughs> trash talking about basketball to, you know what I mean? Like, that's not, that's not it just true. just wouldn't work. Yeah. But for yeah. me, it worked, you know? Yeah. And so my method or what works for one person doesn't always work for everyone. What works for one ministry won't always work for every ministry. Um, but at the same time, we need to share it in a way because there's some best practices. I met them where they're at, and this is how. The yeah. how is different, but you have to meet them where they're at. So how for you, where you're sitting, in your own gifts and talents, do you meet someone where they're at? And so that, that's where I would say my truth would be some basketball. Yeah. I think it's also a, um, a way of advocating for yourself. If I think about the original intent of what they were trying to do at that, on that day, it's a way of advocating for yourself without steamrolling you know, other people are, are telling other people this is how you should feel. Um, and, and so you're sharing, you know, your experience. And one way to do that, again, I, I think in a leadership setting, in a team setting, when you guys are, are planning things or when you're thinking about what you're going to be doing, et cetera, if someone suggests something that may have been something that you experienced a wound from, like when you were younger. Now, I, we could go extreme and say um, abuse, Right. Sure. You know, physical abuse. Oh, well, when when I was in a situation like this, this is when I was abused or when I was in a situation like this, this is what happened to me. Like, don't hold that back. Like, share that so that so that people can take that into account 
when they're like preparing for things. Because again, I like, let's just use a parish festival, for example, you know, that, that for most people, that's a great experience for other people. They may have been forced to do it by their parents. And so they hate parish festivals, right? you know? And so having that truth spoken is, you know, is good for everybody to have on their mind as they're thinking about that thing. Does that make well, sense? Well, even something like, yeah, totally. Even something like uh, teaching on God the Father. Yeah. I think there's a lot of things that need to be tender, you know. Oh, and, it's, you know, and, and God the Father reminds me just of my dad because he always did this and did this and did this. And you're like, there's people in the room that had very, very different experiences with their earthly father. Mm-hmm. And we need, to, we need to be able to speak our truth in regards to, you know, the shortcomings and the, the elements that did reflect, you know. And it doesn't mean avoiding the topic. If it is so sensitive that, oh, like, you know, oh, I, I, there's no way that we could cater to everyone in the crowd because everyone has a different experience. Yeah, duh. Like, it's not, it, you're never going to be able to do that. But it doesn't mean you don't talk about it, which is that embrace discomfort, right. you know, thing. You know, like, it's going to be uncomfortable to talk about things that actually matter. But we need to talk about things that actually matter. Right. And so we're going to slow down at this part and walk a little more tenderly together. But we're together. Yeah. Yeah. And we're not going to preach it as if it is the truth. Right. Right. Or my experience is not your experience. Right. My experience is my truth. But like there are certain things that we can preach as the truth. Sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. have God the Father. Everybody knew what I meant. I know, but but that's the part that was so uncomfortable for me because I'm uh, like, but there uh-huh. is an objective truth, and can we speak that as well? And it's yes, but we have to speak our truth in that and acknowledge that our lens of viewing these things is is shaped by our own experiences. Mm-hmm. And yep. actually, that's okay because that gives me a different perspective than you do, um, and th- then we can see something a fuller picture when we share our own experiences with it. Mm-hmm. So the fourth agreement um, is expect and accept non-closure. I hate this one. (laughs) Why do you hate it? Well, you know, I'm a let's go type of thing. Like, let's take this meeting, take this information, and let's put it into action. Yeah. Right? But there there were conversations in the day that just left with, that was uncomfortable, and I don't know how to to fix it. Right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because, Because it wasn't just my experience and their experience and building a bridge there. It was my experience, their experience, and a culture and a history uh, that has mishandled racial diversity in America for ever. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> and we couldn't fix it at the table that day. Like, I just wanted to fix it at the table <laughs> yeah. that day. Let's just yeah. solve the world's problems in the next five minutes. Yep. But we had to walk away knowing that things have been hurt and, and people that look like me have hurt people, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, and confused people and lied to people. And so it was just, it was non-closure. Like, what's the action item here? Like, how can we fix this? Like, can we high five, you know? And, and no, it, it yeah. was just like, okay, and our time is up. And so we're moving on. Yeah. And I think in ministry, that's so helpful to know. Because, Matt, I, I played basketball with those teens on that retreat. And they didn't turn around and immediately to give their life to Jesus. <laughs> yeah. I recognize this. why not? I know. Like, why? I, I journeyed with him. I did the accompaniment, you know. And so I, I, have to, I have to be okay with the fact that that was a step. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes in ministry, our role is to soften the soil on hardened hearts, and someone else gets to plant the seed, someone else gets to water it. 
Yeah. And every now and then we get to bear fruit. And that's what I would consider like the, the harvest is closure. Like, yeah. yay. Yeah. You know, you're, you're, you're a dynamic disciple. Yeah. Well, and, and it's not just like on their, their discipleship path, but it's also in, in learning things like, um, and I, I think I may have shared this, you know, on the podcast before, but I, I still struggle, you know, with the church's teaching on um, annulment, you know, and, and how that works and everything like that. You know, part of that's because my parents got divorced, you know, and then they got an annulment. And so it's like, well, and so anyway, and I know the teaching, you know, so don't, nobody needs to send me links on, you know, the church teaching or anything like that, but I still but do struggle it anyway. It. Just do it. <laughs> but that's like, that is a, a part that I don't have closure on. Like a, a teaching, a church teaching that I don't have closure on. And and it, it's something that I wrestle with, but it's something that's there. And I need to be okay with that. You know, and at some point, I, like God will give me the enlightenment that I need and the closure that I need in that. Or maybe not. Maybe not until after I die and I see him face to face, hopefully. Um, but that... Uh, that is like those of us that are teaching these things, teaching new concepts, new ideas to people. We need to be okay with them not like getting this aha light bulb moment the day we teach it. Like right when we're done teaching it, they're like, oh, that is completely clear to me. I completely understand. Thank you so much. That's not going to happen. Right. Um, especially in um, when it's something new, when you've got a youth that doesn't want to be there. Right, kind of what you were talking about, you know, that it's going to take time for that to happen. In RCIA, you've got, you know, a Protestant, you know, who has a background that's very different from Catholicism, and you're teaching them something that's that's brand new and and maybe even hard to talk about. That is is not going to be a you know that moment, you know, conversion. So you're going to and then have when they backslide, as you continue to journey with them, right? Yeah, and, and you, you're like, okay, great. Oh, you're making great progress. And we've experienced this as we've led uh, kind of discipleship groups and, and things of that nature. Um, and all of a sudden, you're like, you got a daily prayer life. You're 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 going to mass on a regular basis. You're doing these different habits. Um, and then, boom, they come in one week and they're like, oh, I smoked marijuana again, or oh, yeah. I did this, or oh, I did. And you're just like, dang it, like we, <laughs> you were complete, you were done, you were discipled, check the boxes, you know, um, and even in ourselves, yeah. right, to expect non-closure, to, to say, okay, I am journeying forward in dynamic ways, and then, oh, this semester I really don't feel it. Yeah. Well, I guess I'm done with ministry. Well, maybe, just maybe, <laughs> it's a season where where you need to find renewal instead of walk away, mm-hmm. and, and we've all experienced some of these pieces, Yep. so... Um, there's part of me that just wants to read the outro right now because that'd be like non-closure. <laughs> just to end, end the show just and not even, not even close it. That's funny. <laughs> um, but we are at time, you guys. I, I really want to uh, encourage you guys to, uh, to stay engaged, experience discomfort, speak your truth, but also speak the truth, just that caveat. Like you can do both well and then expect and accept non-closure. Um, uh, if you guys have thoughts, you can find us at... Uh, Facebook MLA podcast. Just search that and we'll let you into our closed group where we have some great roundtable conversations. Bye. Just kidding. Sorry, guys. I, like Chris said it and I was like, let's do something. This would be funny. <laughs> and right, here's Ministry please. Leaders Anonymous. <laughs> okay, we can't even do the, the outro. Go ahead, Matt. Take it away. Please send any feedback you guys have to MLA at ablaze.us and share this podcast with somebody. Here at Ministry Leaders Anonymous. <laughs> If you want to go far, we go together. (laughs) You just messed it up.
<laughs> yes. If you want to go can... quickly, go alone. And if you want to go far, <laughs> we go together. We will see you guys next week on Ministry Leaders Anonymous. God bless. Boom. God bless. <laughs> worst outro ever. Well, the worst outros. There were like three. <laughs> yeah.